Greetings, everybody. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, my name is Chris Warden, and I'm joined, as usual, by uh, with Andy Jones-Wilkins. Uh, Andy? Chris, good to be here. Great to Good see to you. be here back after a couple months. We were here for Havelina, and yeah. now we're here for the Bandera 100K and the beginning of the 100K golden ticket season. Absolutely. These races are going to get shorter in uh, time over, uh, over the next few weeks. Obviously, we've got a couple of quick ones coming up, but uh, Bandera being the first 100K of the golden ticket season, we've got uh, a lot to talk about. Um, how was your new year? Oh, it was great. It was great. It was busy. We stayed here in Phoenix and had a bunch of kids in town, all three of our sons and our new daughter-in-law and grandmas. And In fact, we just... Uh, sent the last child away so we're back to empty nesthood uh with shelly and i and the dog how about you well i had uh unfortunately i was one of the victims of some of the holiday chaos uh, a certain <laughs> airline uh, found me staying an extra couple of days in the chicago area which isn't a bad thing except you know i had to get back in time for across the years mm -hmm. so you know i i paid more for a last minute plane ticket than i would like but uh, I was back in time for ATY and, you know, got to see everybody, you know, that had come to town for that. And uh, also knowing that uh, it is, you know, the, the turn of the calendar and, and now it's time to look forward to 2023 and all the races. How, did, how did ATY go for you? Oh, I, uh, I, my numbers... I know you were in the, you were registered for the sixth day. <laughs> yes, you were I on the board. I had a bib. You had a bib. Yes. <laughs> um, I did reach an ultra distance, but I have seen my numbers decline in six consecutive years. So I think I probably need to probably need to buckle time, down. Time, a little time bit. to raise that game. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, don't tell my coach, Pete Mortimer, otherwise I'll be in big trouble. <laughs> But we are here to talk about Bandera. Uh, first of all, thanks to West Plate for uh, providing us with these excellent shots of the 2022 race. You can really get a feel for the ground and the terrain. Looks kind of familiar, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I've never been out there, so I want to lead with that, uh, Andy. I, I have no personal familiarity with the Bandera 100 course. And I'm also just, you know, this is going to be the first time I'm helping to call a race that I've never been to. So I'm definitely going to have to defer to the expertise of you, uh, uh, Brett Hornig, uh, Finn, and uh, what you have to offer in terms of your knowledge of the course. Now, the field, I can kind of parse my way through. You mm -hmm. see a lot of the same people. But I guess uh, to lead off... What are your thoughts on the course and the potential? I'm sure you've seen some of the weather possibilities as well. This actually looks like it could be what we're looking mm -hmm, at. So mm -hmm. uh, if you want to expand well, that, upon I mean, that. The, the Texas Hill Country is unique, but you're right. It does have some resemblance to our desert environment here or other areas of uh, of sort of Oklahoma, some of the southern hills in Nebraska, sort of prairie land, but also some rocky uh, some, this so tall plant, we could talk a little bit about it there. You see a little bit of it. That stuff can really trash your legs. Um, but the course in and of itself, first of all, for folks new to the race, it's a hundred K, which is two made up of two identical 50 K loops, predominantly single track, kind of relentlessly rolling up and down, uh, characterized by kind of two, sections, uh, a hilly section for the first 10K that's also pretty rocky, 
about 28 to 30 K in that middle part that's relatively smooth and through the prairie and has more gently rolling up and downs. And then another about 10 K section of more rolling hills, not quite as technical in the last part of the first 50 K. So if you're thinking through kind of the crux of the race, if you took those two 10k sections and put them together the second 10 the final 10k of the first loop and the first 10k of the second loop that's a 20k section of sort of technical rolling hills that can really over the years has separated runners particularly at the front of the pack so that's something i would see if you can get to mile 40 uh -huh. relatively intact uh through that the second time through the technical hilly rocky part I don't want to say you're home free, but you're in good position to sort of make a move if you have the legs ready to make that move. Okay, so it's it's the kind of race where you just kind of, you want to typically stay within the pack or within a view of the lead, and then maybe you make your move in the second half. Yeah, I mean, I think for both the lead fields, they're going to want to maintain contact in the first loop, especially. You see so every year, it seems like you see one, two, three runners going off the front but often they can be reeled in but you want to i mean it's it's likely to be a pack race relatively small pack race at least through that first technical section through the rolling flattish smooth section but i could see some gapping happen by you know mile 25 into the the start finish area again but uh you're going to want to stay close i mean there since we have a couple people in the race that we'll talk about in a little bit that are notorious closers i suppose you could have depending on the conditions and the carnage a couple of people who could be as far back as 30 40 minutes and make a charge but probably not more than that and they'd probably need there to be a little bit of carnage absolutely one of the things that we talked about before we went on the air was something that had been mentioned by other people uh, shout out to liam aid station fireball on uh, twitter her i was reading up about how he said that there's really nobody that can negative split this course we'll get to that in a few minutes because we have some common thoughts on that but uh let's lead off with the women's field um my thought is that the women's field is very top heavy. I feel like there's a few names that seem to come up in all discussions, all of the other previews that we've talked to, the, the, the fantasy picks that I've heard. And there are some contenders, but it, I've only heard perhaps three names bantered about that people think could actually win this race on the women's side. Yeah, I think that's probably right. It probably expands to five to seven in terms of getting the golden ticket. Sure. I think uh, if I were a mind reader, I would say that anybody who's come here and is that in that front edge is is going for the golden ticket. You know, we've seen people decline golden tickets at other races. I don't think that's the case at this year's Bandera. If they get it, they're going to take it. Um, I think Courtney DeWalter coming to Bandera for the first time is probably a headline. Yes. Uh, she wants to get back to Western States. She wants to run the Western States Hard Rock Double, which I look forward to talking to her about later because it's something I did years ago. Um, but uh, I think she's coming with her eye on getting that golden ticket possibly winning we know she doesn't usually run with a time goal in mind or or anything like that but uh she's coming going for that golden ticket and if i were anybody else in the female women's field i'd be thinking well you know courtney's the person to beat that doesn't necessarily mean she's going to be off the front from the get-go but i but i think she is the the woman to beat 
I think the return of Amanda Basham after yes. three years, I believe, of of uh, having uh, two children, two daughters. Uh, you know, Amanda, of everybody in the field, I think men's and women's has the most tried and true Western states experience, even though Courtney has a win at Western states. Amanda has two fourth place finishes yep. and her running at Western states goes back at least uh, half a decade. So she's clearly coming here with the golden ticket in mind and I think is probably really curious about where her fitness is, where uh, she might fit into something rolling like this. I think in 2020, uh, which, of course, was a golden ticket that ended up not being a race that Western states didn't happen. But I think she did one loop and called it a day in 2020. So I think that'll be an interesting kind of subplot as uh, as we see. And, and Amanda is not afraid to go out hard. And then Nicole Bitter, yeah. uh, you know, she's coming off a really impressive close Final two laps at Havelina. 1530 where, or so, where she yeah. Was, she was, if it had been 110 mile race, she probably wouldn't be here because she'd have her golden ticket already. Yeah. Uh, she was reeling in the field. Uh, she's a smart racer. We know we, this race is relatively close to Havelina, but I think Nicole probably can manage it. Will she negative split? I don't know. I mean, it's. <laughs> It, let's just say Courtney is in the, you know, sub nine range and, and Amanda and Nicole are battling in that 915, 920, 930 range conditions allow. I mean, it could be a real battle. But then I've got to say, as a Western states obsessive, <laughs> um, my, um, my uh, sentimental pick for getting a golden ticket somehow is, uh, is Michelle Magagna. Uh, she was F11 yes. at Western States in 2021. Short of getting fourth place in the Olympics, I think there's no worse place to finish <laughs> than 11th place at Western States. And so you've got to imagine Michelle and and we'll mention uh, the men's field in a little while. Jeff Colt and the men's field, who was M11 in 2022, are, are here with that in mind as well. So between those four and then this this dark horse, Catherine Short, short distance, had a really good result in Canada earlier in the year, a really good race at the Canyons 50K. Uh-huh. Um, I think she's going to be in the mix as well. Well, I think to to reinforce what you said about Michelle Magagna, uh, she also finished eighth here last year mm-hmm. in a pretty stout field. So I I like her chances to definitely be in, you know, in the discussion till you know, till the very end of this race. Uh, I really do feel like this, this is Courtney's race in terms of where she's at right now. She's seems to be cutting back on the number of races she's doing and kind of as she's getting older and wiser. And she, what she did at Grand Raid was just unreal to see, you know, what kind of, of top off that she did on the previous women's course record. Obviously that course varies a little bit from year to year, but to see what she did, it has to be, it has to be her race unless, unless something happens. Right. So well, and I'm, I'm interested to see how Courtney does at a for Courtney short race. <laughs> I mean, she ran Madeira yeah. and, and won that and that was incredible, but has been, you know, her two big wins were races that take over 24 hours. True. You know, here she's going to be out there eight plus. 
uh, you know, maybe nine. But yeah. uh, but I I think there are some in the sport who see that the gap to Courtney gets closer in the shorter the shorter distances. the race. Yes, but we'll see. You know, she chilled out for a while uh, this winter, and and I think is probably coming for Courtney under trained, but also let's see how it goes. You True. know, let's see, let's see what happens. Now that same thing could be a message to the Amandas and the Nicoles and the Michelles where maybe this is an unknown Courtney, uh, you know, coming to a race in January and seeing if she can throw down and run with a little with a little pressure. I mean, everybody thinks she's going to win. Yes. So everybody that at that starting line is going to be knowing that. Uh, so it'll be fun to see a, a four short for Courtney race, how she does. Absolutely. I think that we're in agreement as far as the on the women's side. When I did say it was top heavy, I believe that we're looking at Courtney, Amanda, Nicole in some form or fashion for our top three. I think that Michelle Magagna is probably right there as well. And it would not surprise me if she were to uh, sneak in there and possibly even end up with a golden ticket. There are also, there are also some other names on the women's side that I'm less familiar with. Uh, I don't know if there was anybody that you might want to uh, touch upon. I know that there were a couple and I've got notes here, so I will be moving my eyes down to uh, to double check them. But uh, was there anybody that we haven't discussed yet that you feel could be a, uh, a contender? Well, I think those five are the golden ticket folks, uh, in my opinion. I mean, three of at least three of them would have to have a bad day or or someone else sneaks in. True. Um, but uh, but at this point, I think that's I think it's really Courtney's golden ticket and the four of them racing for the second one. That makes sense to me. I yeah. think that that's an excellent way to put it. Uh, there were, again, some other uh, decent runners. I mean, I was looking at names and trying to cram for uh, our pregame show as well as for our coverage on Saturday. Uh, Rachel Lemke has done some you know solid results locally here. I believe she won McDowell Mountain Frenzy 50K last year and then also finished top five at Run Rabbit Run among the mm-hmm. hares last year. That's a pretty stout field every year because of the attraction to that race, you know, being yeah. what it is. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're, if you're in the top five, top eight in that race, you know that you're a heavy hitter. So I think that, uh, that Rachel is a name that could possibly sneak into that second place battle again. Maybe I don't. I'm going to end up regretting it if something happens at that race where we're kind of disregarding the fact that anybody can win. But I, I, I guess I just keep gravitating towards the idea that you know, just based on what she's done over the past half a decade, that that, that it is Courtney's race. I, I also think too, and this is the case with where we are with the schedule. And not a lot of people talk about this, but you know, there could be a number of runners in this field. You know, below that, the top five that we've been thinking about, who are like, hey, if it's my day, I'll go for it. If not, I'll shut it down and come out here next month. Yeah. Or go to go to canyons in April. Probably not go to New Zealand, you know, uh, in February. But there's two more golden ticket chances. I think it, what we see with each with each progressive golden ticket, at least of these Amer- North American hundred Ks, Bandera is the one where you can sort of cherry pick one. Yeah. And then you get the longest lead up to Western States. Black Canyon is the one that arguably has the most competitive group. Uh, depending on people from this race that drop out or save it for another day. And then you get canyons, which is a beast compared to the other two, by far the hardest yeah. of the of the 100K uh, golden tickets, which, you know, 
ends up being where you see the most the biggest surprises like jasmine lowther last year for example so it's a really interesting kind of triad and i think you're likely to see the fewest surprises and the fewest blow-ups that result in a finish you might see some blow-ups where the person just calls it a day after 50k so you know i'm sticking to that (coughs) i'm sticking to that top five and and i think condition wise it looks like there's a chance of rain i think you know, I was talking to a buddy of mine in Texas earlier today. Chances of getting up into the 70s. We've got athletes coming from Colorado, athletes coming from Canada. I mean, it'd be no problem for us to run in the 70s. But yeah. the 70s with a, with a little bit of humi- Texas humidity, you know, not it's not Houston humidity, but a little True. bit of Texas humidity. Who knows what kind of impact that could happen on people. So I think those kinds of variables will, will come into play a bit, but probably not overwhelmingly in the grand scheme of who's going to come out of here with a golden ticket. And I also think we're going to see, as history has suggested, that getting a golden ticket at Bandera does set you up well for Western states. You can you can reboot, you can replan your schedule, you can recover from this and have a good five-month buildup. A little bit less for Black Canyon and, of course, much less uh, for canyons. When you're talking about the conditions and you know, we're actually – possibly going to be dealing with rain this weekend Uh, do you think that that is going to affect the placement of the runners or do you think that maybe it's not going to are there going to be some people who are going to be more heavily affected by it than others i really don't think so i don't think it's going to be a cold rain you know Mm -hmm. like what we've just been through the last week here or what you get sometimes out in the bay area or back east i think it might be one of those warm drizzly rains that texas gets so i mean it could make things a little bit muddy but i don't see it having an impact on the outcome especially given the experience of this group. I mean, it's kind of interesting. Havelina, we saw experience win out with Dakota and yes. Devon. And I think there's a good chance, at least on the women's side here, we'll get to the men's side in a minute, that that experience is going to win out. Yeah, looking at the field, at least the top of the field, it's, it's not like there are any people where you know, that it would be, I, I would be hard pressed to find somebody who I think would break through the the list of the women at the top here. It's just, it's just so, so strong. At it the top. really is. And, and I mean, Amanda, the question mark on Amanda, notwithstanding first, first time back racing in a number of years, admittedly she's fit, but she did not know how it's going to go. But I mean, given where Nicole was at Havelina and given where Courtney is all the time. I mean, that's why I think for Michelle and Catherine, that's kind of it. I mean, if two of those three falter, which the chances are slim, but if two of those three falter, there's still those two right there. I think Michelle, I mean, her Kettle Moraine, 1630 something, you know, just a couple weekends before Western States in June and typical Midwestern humid conditions. I mean, Kettle Moraine is not easy. It's got little technical bits. It's up and down all the time. It twists and turns. I mean, that's a good, solid 100-mile race that, you know, she put on top of all her other stuff. I know yeah. she ultimately didn't make it out here for, for Havelina, but, I mean, I think she's I think she's ready. And if somebody falters up there, I suspect she'll pounce. Not to mention, like I said already, there's a little extra drive when you finished 11th place in that thing. That's true. You, you were literally <laughs> the next were right person there. up. You were the next so. person in line for that top 10. And there's no greater feeling than on the fourth Sunday in June, knowing what you're going to do a the year The next later. year. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. So, you know, with, with a race like this, you know, this almost kind of becomes 
I don't want to say desperation, but I'm going to say desperation season for those that are trying to get, you know, into Western States because, you know, the, you know, the the top ten from last year was already in. The lottery has taken place. You know the sponsors, sponsors are locked spots are in. already taken out. So really, yeah. there are basically just a handful of spots, and this is the last series of races. This is you know four left between now and and June where people have their shot to and claim they get, a spot. And they get increasingly competitive. Black Canyon already has a more competitive field, in my opinion, than this. Sure, one. yeah, there'll be some drops from that. And Canyons because it's a whole different type of race with yes. so much more uphill. Uh, you know, it's going to play to the diff- different strengths of different runners. We saw really the mountain powerhouses do well there last year, mm-hmm. and I think that's likely to happen. So if I was a potential golden ticket person right now, if I was a downhiller or a fast flat runner, you know, I'd be running this or Black Canyon. Okay. Uh, for those of you just tuning in, my name is Chris Warden. This is Andy Jones-Wilkins, and we are doing our Bandera 100K preview. We will be live streaming the race this weekend on the air. Era Viper running channel. So we invite you to tune in. We're going to have some great uh, hosts working with us. We'll have uh, Skylar Hall. We'll have uh, um, uh, uh, Finn, Finn Melanson, Melanson, Brett Hornig, yes. and uh, and Leah Yingling out in the field. Yeah, we, as we well hope, as yeah. uh, Vivian Camille mm-hmm. is going to be yep. also in the studio with us as well. So we've got a pretty stacked uh, um field of commentators it's an exciting kind of fun thing we're doing uh the idea was hatched a few months ago uh jameel is well connected with everybody in the sport as we know and and uh reached out to the race directors of bandera and uh we're making this happen i think if i'm not mistaken jameel will be out there on the ground is that right maybe he's on his way now yeah jameel is i believe on his way uh bryce i was wondering if you would kind of be able to expand upon what the impetus was for uh, Aravipa to start to cover a race that isn't an Aravipa race. Yeah, so uh, I know Jamil's vision has been to live stream all of the golden ticket races. Um, I know he reached out to the race director, Tejas Trails, is who the organizer is of Bandera. Um, I want to say it was uh, later last year, and so this has all kind of been a little bit last minute, but everything's coming together. We've got some sponsors, which is great, um, who are helping us put this on. Um, but yeah, it's kind of, we're taking it on with Tejas Trails and we're just gonna make it happen is, is And what... for, for those of you who, who, who watched the Havelina coverage, yeah. the, the group of uh, drone uh, camera guys that uh, Jamil affectionately calls the Utah crew. Yes, will be out there, uh, right? Uh, yeah, Bryce, and and they're part of the uh, part of the team. Game on Studio. They uh, Game on Studio. So Excellent. they specialize in live streaming, like outdoor events, sporting events, and they do a really good job. So it's been an, an awesome connection for us. That's a match made in heaven. That yeah, it really is. Um, also, uh, Bryce, if we could, uh, could we get you know over the course of the remainder of this show, kind of give a shout out to the sponsors for this weekend's live stream? Perhaps yeah, we can yeah. I'll, uh, I'll, credit. I'll get a full list for you. Yeah, awesome. Thank you so much. Um, with that, uh, we have uh, covered the women's field. We'll come back to our picks for golden tickets a little bit later. But let's just jump right into the men's field. To me, this men's field is extremely deep. It's it's not as top-heavy as the women's field. I, in the women's side, I feel like there's three of the top six or seven American female ultra runners in that field. The men's field has some of those names, but it's but there are more like, 15 or so people that could conceivably walk away with a ticket. And there are 
there are runners of all kinds. There are experienced runners. There's a couple that are making, you know, some first time attempts at 100K that are really going to be interesting. Some OCR uh, type and some other, you know, uh, track star types and, and marathoners. There's a lot to unpack on the men's side. So let's just jump right in. So I'll start with three stories that I think are that are golden golden ticket contenders that are that are that are stories on the men's side. I've mentioned him already, Jeff Colt. Yes. Uh, Jeff Colt was M11 in 2022 at Western States, which he got from a golden ticket. Mm -hmm. uh, I think he's an emotional favorite just for that standpoint for me. He's really experienced. He's raced around the world. He is a smart racer. He will be happy to let a front runner go. Uh, so the got 11th place story that we have with Michelle on the women's side is story number one on the men's side, and, and he'll be there. Uh, number two, I think this will be the first time that there is a person in the golden ticket race who is a Barkley finisher and a Hard Rock finisher. Yeah. And just last month, a sub-230 marathoner. That's my That's boy. John Kelly. I don't think he'll come to Texas in an orange beanie and a garbage bag <laughs> like he did at the Barkley. But, I mean, what a story if John Kelly got a golden ticket to Western States after a, being a Barkley finisher, a Hard Rock finisher, and a sub-230 marathoner. So it's a story I'll be looking for and eager to see how it's going. His training has, he can he can turn around and drop things on a dime and, and, and train flat and fast. So I wouldn't put anything past John Kelly. And then you mentioned 100 mile debut people. Chris Myers. Yes. Keep your eye on Chris Myers from LA. So I did a lot of running in Southern California back in the day and Jorge Pacheco was the man out there and there's a 50k called the Bulldog 50k that Jorge just crushed every year well Chris Myers has run Jorge times mm -hmm. Jorge in his prime times at Bulldog Bulldog has a lot of terrain like this he also has two super fast way too cools in the 330 range so You've got stories right there, M11 from 2022, Barkley Hard Rock Sub 230 Marathoner, and this guy going over 100K, going to 100K for the first time after some blazing fast 50Ks, and those are just three. Yeah, well, Chris Myers, I wanted to talk about him in specific. I saw him race out well, here at McDowell Mountain he Frenzy. At the Frenzy, right. He ran the Frenzy 50K. Just this past, yeah. just last month. Yeah. Yeah. Number one, he beat Nick Curry by 18 minutes in the 50K. And I know that Nick doesn't, it didn't seem like Nick was necessarily racing at his absolute peak because he was still uh, uh, getting ready for the Tucson Marathon on the following weekend. Mm -hmm. But it's still Nick Curry in his, in his backyard, mm -hmm. literally in his backyard. And also, he beat a Rob Crar course record mm -hmm. by a minute. That raises eyebrows tremendously. Now, I know that Chris is extremely fast. He's also won, I believe, the Black Canyon 60K here in the past. And he's extremely young, too. I want to say he's 26. 26. So yeah, I looked that up. Uh, this is going to be a, a huge coming out party, potentially, for Chris Myers. If he's able to maintain and race a 100K, anything remotely close to what he's done at the uh, at the shorter distances, we could be seeing a heck of a debut. Um, Bryce, you actually raced that 50K as well. Um, what did you see from Chris Myers when uh, you saw him on the, on, the, on the course at McDowell? 
I can tell you I didn't see him much, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> he's that he, fast. Yeah, he's, he took off real fast. Uh, I, I, I mean, after I was, had my eyes on him for maybe the first fit 5K of the race, and then, yeah, he was he was just flying. And, and then, he came in all smiles, too, when he was done. He looked he looked fresh as a daisy. So I think that that he's going to be a very interesting person to watch in this race. I mean, this we could see the beginning of an, ex, of an explosion of a guy bursting onto the scene, sort of Wamsley-esque. I Peter was thinking with that. With Myers. I mean, because, because 50Ks, you know, especially the local and semi-local ones that he's done obviously he came out here for black canyon 60k but but you know to come he to go to bandera and do something like that and then obviously he would go to western states he'd probably do some kind of a tune-up you know before western states at some high profile race somewhere i mean we could potentially see that you could also be like you know he, he calls it a day after one lap and lives to fight another day maybe comes out to black canyon next month or something like that so i think it's a fascinating story not quite as fascinating as um as the the triathlete who came to Havelina, uh, tell me a her Heather remind, Jackson Heather Jackson yes but sort of could be could be a kind of game changer type thing like that so I think there's three stories right there now who do you got you got that 104 half marathon guy um are you talking about the uh, the Marshall coach yes, uh, that, yeah yeah um, what's his name it was got uh, a 104 half and some other blazing fast times do you have a i Skyler's cheat believe sheet i've got here? i've got skylar's cheat sheet and i've got my cheat sheet and between that we've got plenty <laughs> of cheating going on um let's see that it would be caleb bowen caleb bowen well caleb bowen also he ran uh, oh no he's different guy but didn't oh. he do a sub 13 he did uh, a 12 40 at canal corridor yeah, yeah. but and and that 1240 was an hour faster than Arlen Glick's time. Mm -hmm. So Caleb Bowen is another name to look at on this field. That's one of the, you know, names that it's it's not right at the top of my list, but it's definitely one to consider. Uh, kind of piggybacking around to what John Kelly did. And you talked about how John Kelly, obviously Barkley finisher, and then running a, you know, 230 marathon. There's another guy in the field that's got that same breadth of of talent and that's string bean. Yeah. I mean, string bean, you know, FKTs of hundreds of miles, Cocodona like shattered the course record, albeit on a different course, still moved extremely well. And also was a, what a four twelve miler in college. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is a guy who can handle any distance, any terrain has come out here and finished fourth as well at having a hundred. So I'm curious to see what string bean does and in this has course. An incredible history of almost golden tickets that's true too lake sonoma black canyon i mean he has had so many close calls with golden tickets that uh you gotta imagine one of these days he's gonna get it right yeah absolutely and it could be this race if not we'd be, it'd be curious to see you know where he ends up from here but he's definitely in that discussion and on the short list for uh for my picks as well uh another guy i've seen run multiple times ryan montgomery mm -hmm. blazing fast at Havlin 100 a couple of years ago falling just behind arlen glick and got the golden ticket in 2021 but did not race this year i can't say with 100 percent certainty that but i think he was hurt or was playing you know being cautious and that's why he didn't race western states this past year i would have loved to have seen what he could do out there i saw him also at desert solstice in a duel with nick curry a couple years ago it was the year before nick actually set the american record i believe it was 2020 where ryan and nick basically had been you know left for dead at like mile 140 maybe about 21 hours in and then ryan got up and he did 
without exaggeration, like an eight minute lap around the track. And Nick Mm -hmm. is watching him. And then Ryan went from like eight minute lap to three minute lap to two minute lap to running 145s, you know, 140 plus miles in. And so I've seen Ryan personally have that grit too. So I'm really curious to see what he does here. He's an extremely fast, extremely talented runner. And I think that this is going to be a a good weekend for well, him. Well, we have now mentioned Nick a couple of times. Yes, let's. You know, I've let's I've got it. Nick on my on my short list. Yeah. Um, bigger question as to whether or not he gets a golden ticket or not. I mean, it, it, it a lot of stuff have to has to happen. Sure. Does he negative split Bandera? Yes. Does he become the per, first person in sort of the modern era yeah. to negative split Bandera? I think that that he actually does because. Nick is so particular. I've, I've obviously seen Nick race dozens of times. I've seen him do Desert Solstice. I've been, you know, in his crew at Hard Rock, not crewing him, but like been with them as they're handling him. He is so meticulous and sticks to his plan. Mm-hmm. So even if he sees people getting out ahead, he's going to stick to what he's doing. And what we're going to have to follow, because we know for a fact he's not going to be one of the first five or ten people through that first loop. We're going to have to see how far back he is Mm -hmm. because it's entirely conceivable that he could be within 12 to 15 minutes back. If he's that close to the front of the pack, they're in trouble. Mm -hmm. If he's more like 20 to 25 or more back after the first loop, then he's in trouble. Because while he will gain on them in the second loop, assuming everything holds to form, it's, it's just that he is going to do what he's going to do. And everybody else is going to know what he's doing. It's just a question of whether or not they can, you know, adapt or hold off or just run their own race. Ooh, you guys, we uh, we do have an update. Oh. Thank you to Brett in the chat for bringing this up. Nick has actually crossed off of the entrance list on Free Trail Fantasy, apparently posted a Strava. Oh, okay. And uh, I don't know if he's going to be running Bandera this year. That right. is a that is stunner, to be honest. Yeah. Um, you know, he was obviously, you know, somebody we'd been really looking forward to talk to, a, a friend of ours as well. Yeah. So, you know, in the interest of full disclosure, but thanks um, for that update, yeah. uh, Brett. Thank appreciate you, Brett. I uh, appreciate it. Looking forward to uh, uh, hanging out with you this weekend. We may have to do drinks on Friday. That's right. Um, I, no- got, I got, a, I got, so on the opposite side of String Bean, having all these close calls of golden tickets, we also have the going. golden ticket master, which is Charlie Ware. Yep. And Charlie has been really below the radar. I think he's a new father, if yes. I'm not mistaken. I, and I just moved from, away from Tucson. And moved away from Tucson. Uh, but a really smart runner, mm-hmm. knows what he's doing, knows his limitations. I'm, I still look at that uh, 2021 Zane Gray time that he ran <laughs> that was just insane. So if the golden ticket Charlie Ware shows up, I'd be worried if I were uh, among that field. So the golden ticket Charlie Ware, I believe, shows up every other year. Yeah, he does. So I think that it's on this 2022-23 cycle where he would in theory, be showing up. Yeah. Now, and the cool thing about Charlie is that it's not just like one race. He's done it at multiple mm-hmm. races. Uh-huh. Like he's he's gotten the golden ticket at uh, Black Canyon. I believe he actually, did he get one at Bandera as well? Uh, a few years have, back? Yeah. Um, you know, Charlie has... has Maybe Lake Sonoma even. Yeah. When it was a golden well, that's ticket a, You know yeah. what? That might have been it. Yeah. He, uh, you know, he's, he's just so talented and also has uh, an eighth place finish at Western States mm-hmm. as well. So he's you know, gotten back in 
through that fashion as well. So I think that Charlie Ware is definitely a contender for a golden ticket in this race. I mean, he just seems to rise up whenever the, the opportunity uh, arises. So, um, but there are several other interesting, uh, who else do you see there on like the, uh, f the well, fast guys, Brian Curl, uh, yeah. who was out here at McDowell mountain frenzy 50 miler, which was a very competitive race simply because there was a, uh, somewhat of a sponsorship on the line for the people who won and to come away from a, a strong field like that and, and win, you know, the 50 mile race and a, a fairly rugged one with a, a nice hefty climb, you know, in the second half up Thompson peak, you know, that's, that's a fast runner. So, you know, I could see Brian being one of those people that we might have to be talking about later in the race. Uh, another one that uh, we could be looking at is, uh, um, I believe it was, uh, um, oh, I get, oh, I didn't realize that. I just heard Adam Mary actually, uh, withdrew. He, he withdrew. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, no, I mean, we've got a, a fairly stout field where it wouldn't surprise me if any of like eight to 10 people did end up, uh, on that, uh, golden ticket trip to, uh, um, uh, to Western States. I think, I think the crux of the men's race will be that 20K section I, I mentioned, the the last 10K of the first loop and the first 10K of the second loop. I think if you get to mile 40 and you're in range, you haven't, there will likely be some carnage before there then. There always is, but if you're like But if you're like a Chris Myers, right, who's this super fast 50K guy so far, uh, he makes it there and he's in the front or in the mix. I think, you know, provided he plays his nutrition right, I think that's where the race is going to go down. Well, we've got also, we've got multiple people with other uh, canyons or I mean, not canyons, but uh, Bandera top five finishes like, you know, Miguel Medina, mm -hmm. you know, has finished fourth there. I believe it was in 2021. Um, Anthony Lee got fifth at canyons last year. I mean, you know, just missing out on uh, a golden He's ticket there. He's been training well too. I've, I checked out his Strava the other day. Anthony Lee is coming to play. Absolutely. Yeah. There's, there are so many names that we could be seeing, you know, there when all is said and done, but yeah, it's, it's such a varied field as well, because, you know, when you talk about, you know, on one hand, you've got the, the jacks of all trades when it comes to somebody like string bean or, uh, John Kelly. And then mm -hmm. you've got, you know, these other guys that just seem to have a knack for it. Like, um, like, uh, Charlie Ware. Yeah. you know, it's going to be really interesting to see how things break down. Uh, so, uh, with that in golden mind, tickets. golden tickets. Yes. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, my, my, uh, let's start with the women. My, my emotional, sentimental favorite of Michelle Magana, notwithstanding, uh, I'm going to go, I'm going to go chalk and say it's Courtney <laughs> and Amanda, Courtney and Amanda get them and they take them. And, uh, and Courtney goes on to win Western States and, and Amanda goes on to get back in the top 10. I am almost there with you. I've got Courtney number one. Uh, I do have Nicole Bitter at number two. I think that she races with a little bit of a chip on her shoulder after Havelina. And, you know, maybe that pushes her over. Um, I haven't seen enough from Amanda Basham recently to say that, whereas I have seen Nicole. And maybe that is you know, a recency bias, admittedly. Mm -hmm. But when mm -hmm. you see somebody drop a 15 and change at Havilland 100, you know that they're primed, you know? I mean, that's long enough time that the body can recover. And I've also seen Nicole do that turnaround where she's done, I believe, 
I've seen her do the 100K at Heavily and then turn around and do Solstice. So this is even more time and a shorter race on the back end. So I think that Nicole is going to be ready. I do believe that uh, Amanda Basham comes in third, and I think that we're both in agreement. Michelle uh, Magania uh, probably misses just comes it in. again. Yeah, but you know the the season is long, at least for course uh, record. Course record with Courtney here, um, and uh... I do believe it was like nine. 15 or so i could see that i could definitely see courtney i mean after what she did it you know did last month i i think that that's i think she's, very fair yeah i don't think she's thinking about it but i think she gets it yeah yeah, yeah I, I could agree with you that on that uh, on the men's side i'm going with ryan montgomery i think that ryan is a smart racer and he wants to get back to the western states that he never got a chance to race last time you know so i think that ryan uh, is uh, the first golden ticket. The second is Charlie Ware. He just does it. <laughs> I, I don't have any sort of, you know, uh, extreme insight into it. I just know that every time I seem to think that that Charlie's quiet, he ends up, you know, on a podium or on a golden ticket. And and then I've got uh, String Bean just missing just out as missing well. Just missing again. So, yeah. So Charlie Ware gets it again. Yeah. And String Bean misses it again. Yeah, I think that, that you know, when we talk about these these people who are talented at all distances string beans, another one where the longer the race goes, you know, the, the harder he's yeah. going to be to beat. Whereas I think this might just be a little bit too short for him. Cause I felt like that at having a hundred, a couple of years ago in 2021, when he was there and I think he finished fourth. I mean, it, it, it's, it's weird to say that a hundred miles is too short or a hundred K is too short, but it's too short for him to really unleash how amazing he is of a runner. So all right. Well, I'm I'm going a completely different direction than you. <laughs> and in fact, I'm I'm jumping to the other side of the traditional AJW boat, which is always siding with experience and wisdom and having done the distance. Chris Myers is taking it. Really? Uh, not in a course record. He's not going to run Walmsley time. He's probably going to be 15 minutes ahead at the end of the first loop and barely hang on for a three-minute win. But I think Chris Myers takes it. I think that that speed and that get-out-and-go gets it done for him. So it's a golden ticket uh, at the beginning of, a, of an all-world year. I think I'll then be interested to see how his build-up goes, what, what his next uh, tune-up race is before Western States. But I have Myers taking it. And then... In contrast to Michelle, I'm going with Jeff to to use that M11 magic and get the golden ticket with second place and uh, and punching his ticket and hopefully getting ninth or tenth place at Western State so he doesn't have to do this again. Uh, and then I think John Kelly slides in in number three. Not that I don't want Charlie Ware to keep the sort of Charlie Ware golden ticket magic going and dad power and all that. Uh, but I really think uh, Kelly, uh, John Kelly's going to take the third and, and, uh, and really kind of paint an interesting picture in his overall ultra running resume. We couldn't have been more different in our men's, <laughs> on our men's side. Uh, but that's one of the beautiful things about this sport. I, I love covering trail and ultra running. I have, become a, a super fan, a groupie of my own. You know, I feel fortunate, you know, 
this is so much more fun than calling high school basketball. Let me yeah. tell you, you know, I mean, it's something I used to do back in the day doing uh, high school sports. I have so much more fun covering uh, trail and ultra running simply because you're not beholden to, you know, sticking to one script. I mean, when you're, when we're doing these races and we're doing this coverage, you know, a little bit of a peek behind the curtain, um, you know, we get to kind of go in any direction we want and we can get like way out there. Like one of the cool things about uh, coverage that lasts this long is that we're able to kind of get to know the runners on a different level. Whereas, you know, if you're doing a, you know, a a faster paced sport um, in terms of, you know, a clock or something like that, you know, you kind of have to stick to what's right in front of you. Whereas there are, it's hurry up and wait. When it comes mm-hmm. to trail and ultra running, you're like, oh man, I hope we get them as they come through this aid station. And then we kind of have to, you know, see who else comes through the, the aid station, who comes across our viewfinder, you know, whether we've got the drone coverage, whether we've got boots on the ground cameras or static cams somewhere. There's never mm-hmm. any telling like how long or how uh, stilted some of the, the runners are going to be. There's like, there's no tried and true amount of coverage that we can get, you know, within certain time frames. So I mean, we have guesstimates, we have, you know, expectations. Like for instance, we can assume that the men's race is probably going to go about eight hours, give or take, and that the women's might go about nine, maybe a little bit less. But when it comes to, you know, during the race, we're just kind of along for the ride with everybody else. And that's one of the cool things is that we're able to, to look at, what we're, you know, what we're seeing in terms of athletes and kind of get to learn. I'm sitting on my laptop the entire time learning more about mm-hmm. some of these people, you know, beyond what they're doing, you know, in front of us right now. Well, and I think this is an indication, too, of the the wonderfully imperfect nature of our sport. Absolutely. Right. We named nine. So our, our women's podium is the same with the second and third flipped. Yeah. Our men's podium is six guys. Couldn't be more right? different. So let's just take those nine people. I'd say the over under is that four of them will not be there. Yeah. Right. In some way, shape or form, four of them will not be there. Neither of us are probably going to nail our podium for either one, even though we had the same podium for the women's race. Yeah. Um, furthermore, you know, this is the time of year when there's all kinds of unknowns. People have come out of the holidays. They've come from cold climates to warm ones. Maybe their travel gets disrupted or anything else. But it's also that exciting time. It's like it's almost like I'm a big baseball guy. It's almost like pitchers and catchers report next week, you know, to to spring training. We're not quite there yet. But when it's when you get into this golden golden ticket season which yeah. is in in my view going back to the Montreal Ultra Cup and the traditional golden ticket season I know it's changed and for good reason when the UTWT went away there was a, certainly a need for for expanding the series internationally to allow runners in Europe and Africa and Asia to qualify for western states and to expand it beyond January to April but this is the golden ticket within the golden ticket, yes. which are these three North American 100Ks that draw a lot of eyes, you know, in Texas, in Arizona, and in California, and that bring out that sort of 
what happens every year with the buildup and the excitement and the growth. Yes, those who got their spots at Havelina, they Dakota Jones and Devin, <laughs> they can just sit back and eat their holiday cookies and and watch the coverage and they don't they don't need to worry. They can they can train. They don't have to run another race until the end of June. But these were these athletes are in a different boat, you know, and and those that are on our list that don't make it, they may be like, "Okay, Okay, honey, we got a we got a plan to go to Black Canyon, or we got a plan to go to uh, you know canyons because I still want to go after this. So I mean, it's it's that hope springs eternal time in the season that just really gets me excited. And so it's fun that Jamil and Aravipa have made made the out reached out to people like Tejas Trails and and to say to you know to put it out there. We'd like to provide coverage, f- live stream coverage for every golden ticket race. What an ambitious goal. And uh, we may not do every race this year, but I mean that the idea of it is so exciting. And when you see the excitement, I mean, when I saw the excitement on Devin and Dakota's faces when they got when they clinched those golden tickets or Arlen last year. I mean, it's something really palpable and as talented. We'll see it if if Courtney and it goes by script, she gets her golden ticket. I mean, most people are like, why does why does Courtney even have to try for a golden ticket? Can't they just give her one? No. Yeah. She has to earn it like everybody else. Yeah, that's one of the cool things is that, you know, through the course of the next few weeks, the next, I believe, 11 weeks, we're going to see these last few spots at Western States claimed by some unbelievable athletes having some unbelievable performances. But we've also seen in years past, uh, there have been situations where, you know, runners are, you know, having to hunt and chase down repeatedly. Sensiman a couple of years ago, I believe, basically went to every, mm-hmm. you know, race on the calendar until he finally got his his ticket to run into Western States one year. I know that there was another year where Mako came and, you know, and, you know, would have he, he got his ticket at Bandera, then came back at, at Black Canyon the following month and then finishing a ticket position to push it down one slot, too. Uh, you know, the, this season is really the the fastest moving, no pun intended, when it comes to, you know, following the trail and ultra scene, you know, from here and through June, you know, this is this is the exciting time. Well, and also, I mean, I guess most of us could agree that last year, the, the year 2022 was for the most part a normal year, you know, post pandemic, yes. although you remember the 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 initial omicron was running rampant in december january in bandera time and so forth you know n- not that we're completely out of the woods yet but when we look ahead to 2023 it looks like it's going to be a normal year and in that sense the bringing together of the community in ways that we really celebrated last year and you know these live streams are a way to do it you know we love to engage in the live chat with with people who are watching at home we love to engage with people like Brad who are like, hey, just found out Nick scratched, you know, like we find that stuff out in real time. That's the beauty of the community. And and I think we're going to see in 2023 as the excitement of these fast runners coming into the sport, the KG veterans like Courtney, who really wants to get a Western States hard rock double. I mean, we're going to see those visions, you know, maybe come to fruition and maybe not and celebrate all along the way. That's one of the cool things you mentioned, you know, talking about Brett, like basically, you know, chiming in, this is interactive. Like we are, 
glad to hear from our viewers and our supporters. Like if you've got things you want to say, contribute, you know, the chat is right there for you. Just as long as you keep it clean, keep it polite and be nice. You know, it's a great community. It's an inclusive community. And not everybody that is, you know, is participating in the chat is necessarily a big time runner. Some of them are just fans, you know, and, and that's one of the cool things I've actually gotten to know a few of the people that follow our live streams simply because they tune in on a regular basis and, you know, they reach out even when we're not on the air and, you know, I might hear from them on Twitter or Instagram. So I'm, I'm grateful to hear from all of them. You know, if I could, if I could offer up something and I've been, I didn't intend to talk about this, but I think it's a good time as any, you know, we had a challenge during the Havelina coverage yeah. um, with respect to the competitor, Riley Brady, yes. who identifies as non-binary. Correct. And, and there were some challenges that we faced in real time in the way we at the desk were reading the results and the way the results were coded with male female and non-binary and really understanding in real time the difference between uh, Riley identifying as non-binary and being a competitor in the female race. Yes. And it took me a long time to figure that out. I got back to the race the next day and sat and talked to race director from Western States, Craig Thornley, talked to Jamil, talked to Jubilee about it. Because it was live and in, in real time on the live stream, I made some mistakes in whether I said the correct pronoun in referring to Riley as they in the moment. But the beauty of the community was as time went on and people understood what was going on and the challenges that we faced, we all learned from it. Absolutely. While in the moment, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm screwing this up. In the context of it, I was learning. And of course, Riley handled it with incredible grace and was understanding. And they are going to Western States, you know, in, in full excitement for the event. But that's an example of how, you know, interacting in real time yes. on something like the live chat can really can make the sport better. And, and I and I, I I haven't really thought about it in the way to say it until just now. Yeah. But when you were talking about how you've made friends through the live stream and how, you know, it's something that's that's live and in real time. It was something that really impacted me emotionally. I talked to my sons about it who are much more in tune with, you know, the way young people think about things these days than I necessarily was sure. in that moment. And it just turned into a teachable moment for so much, so many of us that I'm incredibly grateful for it and grateful for the community that was there that evening to, to help me through that. Yeah. And I think that, that people understood fairly quickly that you were striving to learn and you were striving to, to understand and make sure that you were respecting everyone, you know, and it was a bit of a, a rolling on the fly kind of situation. We were learning, like you said, in real time. We were not uh, having any sort of, you know, prior or, you know, off the air discussions about it. We basically were rolling and trying to find our own way in response to, you know, what information we were learning as we went along. So, you know, it was definitely a learning experience. We find every live stream that we do of, of 
you know, some length has some learning involved. Right. And it was illustrative for me, right? I'm 55 years old. I've been in ultra running since the early nineties. I used to think I knew it all. Obviously I don't. Right. And, and I think moments like that and experiences like this and, and doing the live stream in a new way that we're going to do on, on Saturday with multiple hosts with, you know, it's one thing to have be here in the studio and have the race, you know, 45 minutes up the road. It's yes. another thing to have it, you know, a several hours flight from here. So we'll, we will learn stuff on Saturday. No doubt about it. Oh, this is going to be a huge learning experience for me because as I said, I've never been to that course and, you know, I've never called an event where I don't have extensive firsthand information. So apologies in advance. It might be a bit of a, a wild time for me. Uh, Bryce, do we have some questions that we could uh, possibly address here? Yeah, let me uh, let me go through the chat here real quick. I know we had some initially. Uh, we had Lottie Brinks in the chat earlier talking about Kareth Brinks, who is going to be running the 100K at Bandera. I believe it's her sister-in-law. She's got a stout 50-mile PR, oh. according to Lottie. And what is uh, what is her sister? C A R E T H Kareth Brinks. Kareth Brinks. Might be, might have to be a, a name that we have to scribble into our crib sheets <laughs> right. for this weekend. Because frankly, uh, that's uh, definitely if uh, if Lottie's giving, you know, some props, it's, it's then prob- it's probably a good recommendation. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> definitely somebody we might have to uh, add to our uh, coverage. Again, luckily we've got you know eight nine hours, so we'll that's be right. able to cover you know dozens of athletes along the along the way. So it's one of the best parts about this this sport is that. We're able, and, and there are going to be in, invariably people who maybe aren't expected to be at the front of the pack coming out and, you know, kind of hanging with that lead pack. Mm-hmm. And, you know, every every year there's always some guy from, you know, some from from some college team in, you know, from somewhere that ends up like hanging with the lead pack at Boston for a few minutes yeah, yeah. just to <laughs> be on camera. You know, <laughs> like maybe that's what happens at ultras. You know, maybe somebody comes darting out to see if they can hang with the you know, with the lead dogs at, at this race and either they they find out uh, the hard way or we find a new star in the making. That's so. right. That's right. I do encourage viewers to engage in the live stream. I know that's something that's very important to Bryce and Matt and Jamil that we pride ourselves on on it being an interactive experience. So if you if you tune in Saturday morning, wherever you are, you know, we're we're going to go on the air at 6 a.m., uh, Mountain Standard Time. The start time, Texas time, is 7:30 a.m. We'll go on at six and start the Cubs. The race starts at 6:30, and and we'll stay uh, on the air all the way through at least the uh, women's podium. Uh, I guess uh, um, Matt Feldhaek was uh, giving us a little bit of grief for not matching our outfits. Oh, was he? Yeah. Uh, we, well, we we'll, we'll do that on, on Saturday. Then. Absolutely. <laughs> I will I will probably throw this back on again. Throw yeah, it in the wash. I'll grab mine. and I love these. This yeah, is the yeah. best it, shirt. It is a really it nice is shirt. It is great. For yeah, those yeah. of you that haven't seen these shirts, they're really sharp. They're they're hooded, so, you know, you can avoid the sun. And then also on the back, there's a, you know, mm-hmm. in this case, it's the Heavily 100 design. So, you know, I'm happy to, to represent. So is this... Uh, um, these are our gracious sponsors for the Bandera live stream this year. So, oh, oh excellent! Well, let's uh, let's give them a shout out. Uh, Adventure Pod is that? 
Is that um, that's Jonathan? Uh, D- that's David and Megan Roaches. I think. That's correct. Right? Yep. Uh, okay. Some work all play. Yep. Uh, oh, that's wonderful of the Roaches to to put some uh, put some energy behind this. Catula. Mm-hmm. Uh, pizza Cletta. Have you had Pizza Cletta Oh, before? my goodness, yes. Okay. <laughs> Caleb's uh, Restaurant up in Flagstaff. Yes. At the Rob Carr, Rob Carr Ultra Camp, we go to Pizza Cletta every year the second night. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get a get a, our, our own table. And, yes, outstanding pizza. Worth the trip to Flagstaff. And also, basically, the C&B scene of the ultra-running scene in Flagstaff. Yes. <laughs> like if, you, if you're ever in Flagstaff and you want to see the the greats of the game out for dinner on us on a well, any night of the week really pizza cloud is where you do it. absolutely is that jonathan levitt's i uh, believe podcast so for the long, for the long run, run pod? awesome jonathan levitt's podcast that's wonderful i saw that he was involved that's with uh, the live and i'm stream. not familiar with that one run try bike they're actually a magazine uh a magazine. All right. yep sweet yep they've got some really cool articles on the website i was browsing through it earlier today we did well, have a huge thank you to those five sponsors for making the live stream possible. It's um, it's you know, it takes a village, as we say. And this is a great example of it. Absolutely. This is this sport. Seeing the, the coverage grow is great. It's not it's not exactly what we'd call a, a huge revenue sport. It's a niche of a niche. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, when was the last time you saw a significant, you know, long distance running on TV, let alone like trail running? You know, so the barriers to entry have come down with you know platforms such as YouTube, and also the it, it doesn't have a huge audience, but it has a rabid one. Absolutely, like and and the technology and expertise of people like Jamil and the Utah crew yeah. uh, are allowing us to to you know experiment. In many ways, this is still a grand experiment. Some things will go wrong on Saturday. We'll have blurry stuff. The screens will freeze. We know that will happen. But with each successive experience, we'll we'll grow from it and learn from it. Yeah. Um, it looks like. Uh... Okay, uh, do we want to talk about what the uh, question was that you just answered? Yeah, so the question was, did you guys figure out the cell phone coverage out there? Uh, No, there's no cell phone coverage for the most part on that course. So what we're doing is we're bringing out Starlink. Um, I think that's going to be how we broadcast remotely from Bandera. Uh, So that's kind of the solution. It's came about in the last couple of years, and it's been absolutely huge for the quality of our live streams. Yeah, Starlink has been a game changer because, you know, prior to that, we were really at the mercy of, you know, of cell phone coverage and towers. And for even even a race such as Havilene 100, where you're not out in the middle of nowhere, mm-hmm. it was always like, you know, hey, uh, Amy, can you pull your uh, can you get back to the top of the hill? We're losing you as you head down into Jackass Junction. Like those were literally conversations we would have mm-hmm. with people, you know, while we were on the air. Starlink, you know, mitigates a lot of those uh, issues, so we've got a lot better coverage. It's not the end all beyond. We're not able to always have, you know, crisp, clear, perfect coverage, you know, every single stretch of the course, but it definitely makes these these live streams viable and possible. That's right. Yeah. So um, one of the things that uh, we're hoping for, you know, talking about the weather, I believe we're looking at this. You said the 70s and could be it could get up into the low 70s, as I saw that this morning and a chance of shower. Well, I'm hoping that it the rain stays away. Yeah, because for Frank, for coverage purposes, absolutely. <laughs> if uh, if there are if there's rain, then the drones don't fly, mm-hmm. and that would be a darn shame. Because I'm really looking forward to. I saw that West Plate again. Shout out to West Plate for uh, his video from last year's Bandera race. 
And, uh, you know, looking at those trails, I'm really excited to see more of them mm-hmm. as we do the coverage because they really do look like a lot of fun. They And I, like I said, they remind me a lot of what I, you know, see out here in our own backyard in the Black Canyon Trail. And, you know, if, uh, if we're able to get those drones in the sky because the weather cooperates, it's going to make for some excellent coverage. Well, and I think it's also going to be fun for, for us in the studio. We're rotating through six different commentators with various shifts and so forth. So you'll hear those of you tuning in. I'll hear, you know, you won't hear the same voice droning on for, for 12 hours. We'll switch it up and have different partnerships going together and so forth. So it should be fun and, and engaging and a, and a good kickoff to our, our domestic uh, 100K golden ticket season. Absolutely. And one of the things that I'm looking forward to with this is, Obviously, we're going to have some new blood in the studio mm-hmm. that we haven't had before. And frankly, I'll be honest, Andy, I'm I'm looking to step away for like a half an hour to an hour. So you get some time with some partners that you haven't worked for worked with before. I think that it would be kind of cool to as we kind of just rotate in and out. I'm a big just proponent. if you step away, keep an eye on the live uh, live chat. I will, be, I will absolutely be. I will still probably be in the room or one room over. But I'm a big fan of the more people that we have involved in the coverage of the sport. You know, we're still cultivating talent as mm-hmm. I like. That's the phrase I've been using. We're still learning who is out there in terms of, uh, you know, ultra coverage. I mean, these are people that we haven't. I haven't seen, you know, do coverage before. And, you know, as far as I know, in some of their cases, it's their first time. Mm-hmm. I know we, we discovered uh, Vivian through her YouTube channel and through Instagram posts that, you know, and coverage that she had done of other races. I believe she's run Bandera multiple times and has top 10 finishes mm-hmm. uh, in the two times that she's run it. So I'm looking forward to seeing what she has to say. I think that, you know, she's an excellent resource. And to to get to have Brett and Finn in the studio as well. I would. I'm. I can't wait to defer to oh, them and, and, and rotate is, in, in and out. Is one of the most prolific podcasters in the sport. I mean, gone are the days of the weekly podcast. He's putting up daily. Daily, podcasts. yes. So I mean, uh, and it'll be fun to see for for him and and for Brett making that transition. And and the third in their group, uh, uh, Leah, who'll be on the ground in Texas, and we'll see how that goes. But I suspect we'll. We'll have some some on the ground reporting from her as well, so it'll be a lot of fun. No Absolutely, doubt and hopefully, you know, if if we happen to do more coverage of Golden Ticket races this spring, um, as much fun as I have in the studio, I volunteer to go and do the camera coverage at Tarawera. If, <laughs> if, uh, if that's in the the budget, let if me one know. of these if one of these sponsors can buy your ticket to New Zealand, <laughs> exactly, I'm willing. I'm willing to you'll, sit you'll this take one. one for the team. Exactly. Yeah. So just just in case. Case uh, you know anybody is uh, interested, I will I will definitely <laughs> step away from the studio and be happy to be holding a. Camera. Well, and of course, since it's a backyard race, we will be uh, we will be providing the stream for Black Canyon again. I will be racing Black Canyon. You're racing Black Canyon. Yeah, uh, I gotta get excellent. I gotta get my uh, lottery ticket. I look for different <laughs> tickets than we cover here on this race, so I'll be going for my uh, well. That'll sixth be year. good. We can get some footage of you out on the course. Yeah, last year they got footage. <laughs> of me after i dropped out it wasn't pretty <laughs> so hopefully uh you have footage of me about 16 and a half hours in cursing my life and you know and but still actually but eligible. getting across the finish line exactly yeah, yeah. so um uh, do we have any other questions bryce are we uh not that i'm seeing okay right. well uh if there's a, if there's nothing else uh i think uh we will adjourn until saturday morning bright and early i believe that's 6 30 our time so 
6 a.m. our time, which is 7 a 7 a.m. Central Standard Time, which is what Bandera is in right now. So 7 a.m. Texas time, 6 a.m. Arizona time. Okay, so so grab your coffee. We'll come on and jabber for half an hour before the start, and then uh, get it going. I'm looking forward to it. Exactly. All right. All right. Thanks a lot, everybody. Thank for you, everybody. In. Uh, we will see you Saturday.